Well, Bernard, um, thank you for the introduction. It's a great privilege to be here. And again, we thank you for the invitation. And I'm so sorry that we can't be there with all of our friends. Also, I think in making the opening remarks, I should also congratulate Paula and the rest of the team for putting on uh, the event. I am disappointed uh, not being there. I, I can't share a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. From what I understand, I'm not allowed to have a smoke. Or maybe I am now, Bernard. I'm not sure. Uh, the good news is I don't smoke anyway, but on principle, I would have a cigar. Uh, but uh, I've got to say that uh, the industry is, I think, positioning for the future, and uh, that will be the focal point of uh, the remarks I'm going to make. The last few months have undoubtedly been trying for everyone. No one could have imagined just how severe the effect of COVID-19 would be on almost every aspect of our lives and on all of our economies. The mining industry stands out and it's continued the response to the pandemic. And again, I think Bernard's question and highlighting the, the industry's response to the pandemic is very positive. I think we can all be proud of our effort we made as an industry to safeguard the lives and livelihoods of our people and nowhere, nowhere more so than in South Africa. But we're also battling a number of other issues that come with those challenges. And so I think uh, whilst we've made good progress, I think we have to make sure that we keep ourselves alert and certainly we're not out of the woods, more work to be done. But I think the great thing is how everyone has worked together. And that's certainly been the real positive that's come out of the issue. I think also, the other point in South Africa, it's not helped us with respect to the long-standing challenges of poverty, inequality and unemployment. They've all been further exacerbated by the pandemic. And so as an industry, we need to apply ourselves more effectively to try and partner with both governments and community, communities to make sure that we battle those three ter terrible issues for the country. Outside of the unparalleled goodwill and collaboration that we've seen over the past while in South Africa, we've also seen other headlines that tell a different story about the own goals South Africa continues to score against itself. It has become standard for us as the mining industry and business more broadly to make a case for urgent reforms for South Africa's present and future. Sometimes it, feel like, it feels like we're repeating the same script again and again, anxiously waiting for the change we desperately need. But there is something about this moment that we think is different. We're at a crossroads. We can continue or we can't continue on this unsustainable path. What we can do is seize the day to turn the corner. When it comes to South Africa and its mining industry more particularly, I am ever the optimist. I'm aware that there is much chatter at the moment on whether the past decade should be classified as South Africa's wasted years. And while the past 10 years have been less than ideal, we need to set our eyes firmly on the future. That is why today I'd like to talk about South Africa's next decade of promise, how we can turn that into real delivery and how I see the mining industry helping to secure the future of this great nation for the next decade and beyond to help South Africa build and grow its way out of the crisis. 
Our starting point from our perspective is the taking or making sure that we're focused on the long view. As miners, we are always used to thinking about the long term. Our way of doing business is built on sustaining ourselves not only for today, but tomorrow and for the long term. I think we should apply the same thinking when it comes to the future of South Africa. Developing an appreciation for the long view might help us in a much broader context. If we look past the last 10 years, we've had more, we've had more missed opportunities than successes. And for instance, we've spent the last 10 years desperately trying to navigate a way out of an uncertain and unworkable policy environment for mining through much legal activity and debates. During this time, mining production has been stuck in levels last seen in the early 2000s due to logistical constraints such as inadequate rail capacity and poor energy supply. Large-scale investment in the South African mining sector has stagnated, even though there are flashes of recovery. South Africa's mining investment attractiveness has remained in the bottom half of mining jurisdictions ranked globally. But not all was lost. We also have some encouraging green shoots, and these can serve as a catalyst for the next decade. Four things stand out for me in this regard. First, in February this year, the Minister of Finance announced measures to facilitate a cross-border financial or facilitate cross-border financial transactions to provide multinational companies in South Africa with increased flexibility to manage cash resources. This development levels the playing field with other OECD nations and is a significant further positive step towards building South Africa's attractiveness as a global competitive investment destination. The importance of this step has not been missed by shareholders and investors alike. And just two months ago, Minister Mantashi withdrew the government's appeal on the continuing consequences of previous empowerment transactions under the new mining charter. This is a major development and one which should fill us with optimism as an industry, or at least for those that can bring new capital and growth to the industry. While there is still a lot that can be done to bring more regulatory certainty, this move paves the way for legal certainty over the current mining charter, which further strengthens our collective commitment to transformation as an industry. And with that faith that the minister has shown by making that move, we have to stand up and make sure we're true and deliver on the potential that we all see and that he is hoping will encourage us to move forward. And over the past year, ESCOM and Transnet the two most critical state-owned enterprises that are vital for success, as, for success as an industry have undergone massive changes under new and committed leadership. Getting our crucial infrastructure in the form of reliable energy supply and adequate rail and port facilities will take time, but the building blocks are being laid. And my final point in terms of what makes me feel optimistic about the future is the way the government business, unions, and communities in the broader sense have collaborated on battling the pandemic. Never have I seen in my 14 years of work and association and living in South Africa, 
have I seen all those groups come together under one banner with a view to fighting one enemy and, in my view, making so much progress in such a short period of time. I only wish the country I'm living in today and for those that I observe across the globe could see South Africa and the great leadership that's been provided across the board. I say congratulations to everyone. And again, while it's not over, you've certainly made, I think, a massive statement in terms of what can be done together. So if we take a, back, a step back and discount the noise, I think we've got more reason to believe in the future and the success of the mining industry than not. I believe that the next decade is going to be crucial for the mining industry and South Africa together. We have a unique opportunity to build a modern, inclusive and equitable mining industry. This is South Africa mining's great promise and all of it can be achieved within the next 10 years, but we cannot postpone it. We cannot allow ourselves to go through another decade of missed opportunities. So together, we can build back better. So my first point, the first theme that I'll pick up in pointing to those directions is we need to build a modern mining industry if we're going to succeed in the future. Everywhere around us, industries such as mining are on the cusp of a significant change. Technology is fundamentally changing how we operate and we must progress in tandem with the need for sustainable business models that create value for all stakeholders. At Anglo, you will have heard me and others talk about Future Smart Mining Program, our innovation-led approach to sustainable mining. The lessons from this work have been invaluable. Changing how we operate is more than just technology. It's about how we embed innovation and sustainable practices across the value chain. It's a mindset, it's a way of thinking, and it's a way of questioning everything we do and looking for better solutions right through the business. With technologies that are available today and others that we're now developing, we can now imagine mines with smaller physical footprints, we're using more precise extraction techniques that enable us to mine only the most valuable ore. This will also remove people from harm's way. It will reduce waste. We'll use a fraction of the energy we use today and we'll draw almost fresh, no fresh water. If you think back over the last 100 years, we've tended to drive efficiencies through scale. We think the improvements that are available through scale are diminishing and that we've got to think differently about our flow sheets and literally redesign the processes from first principles. In a world of diminishing ore grades, constraints on water and energy and the resulting increased cost, the changes are just not an opportunity. They are a necessity if mining is to be truly sustainable in every sense. A future smart mining industry is vital for a mineral-rich country like South Africa. And when we were going through the major transformation steps back in 14 and 15, we actually doubled our investments in exploration and new technologies because we felt that for us to create a future for Anglo-American, we had to go in a different direction. And whilst you've seen some of those positives come through the results, we think we're only just now scratching on the real potential we have as a company. 
There are countless examples of how these changes have already been done throughout our industry, from the introduction of remotely operated machinery, and in our case as Anglo-American, we have a range of exciting projects, as, such as the current trial of bulk ore sorting at Mahalaquena, which leverages new sensor technology in real time to process a greater proportion of ore and certainly less waste rock through the process. And so our capital is more efficiently used as well. So it is simpler, less expensive, and has a much smaller footprint than the current individual particle sorting technologies available. Progress in this space will be of huge value to us, particularly in some of today's low-grade mining operations. It is clear that the nature of work is changing as well. The type of employment is changing, and the relationship between mines, their host communities, and governments must also change. We must all be ready and, and reposition for a future that embraces and manages this change in a responsible way. Together, we must build our social license to innovate. In a conversation with James McGlatzi a couple of years ago, we talked about the land debate in South Africa, and we both agreed there is plenty of land to do everything we want in South Africa. The real debate is around infrastructure and development. And we've got to be partners in those opportunities in terms of creating that future. Simply put, if we do not accelerate the modernization of our industry as part of the new South Africa, so that it embraces new technology and skills, we will not have a competitive mining industry 10 years from now. So it is no longer a nice to have, it's a survival imperative. South Africa has also one unique advantage over many other mining jurisdictions. This, home is, this country is home to the largest PGM deposits in the world. As the world's largest marketers of PGMs, Anglo-American is investing in South Africa's hydrogen economy, including through a joint investment with the PIC. This initiative will develop the market for PGMs by providing startup capital to businesses that use PGM-based technologies in their products and processes. I'm proud to say that Anglo-America isn't the biggest investor in new PGM technologies, and we encourage all major producers to put up and become part of the development of the future for our products and not simply take the benefits of mining in of itself. The substantial investment is geared to stimulate and sustain the demand for South Africa's PGMs in the long term while preserving the mineral wealth of all South Africans. And how we do this together is both an imperative for the industry, for all South Africans and for the government, and together we've got to partner and do things differently. Another project that signals our commitment to this area is our hydrogen truck, which is being developed in partnership with ENGIE. ENGIE is providing the hydrogen generation solutions and Anglo-American is developing the truck. This collaboration marks the first time a truck of this size, about 300 tonnes, and load capacity has been converted to run on hydrogen. First motion of the hydrogen-powered truck is expected in 2021. I don't know where we got first motion from, but that's driving. This will be followed by a testing and validation program at our Mahalaquena PGMs mine here in South Africa, after which the trucks are expected to be deployed at our other operations. We chose Mahalaquena as the right place to start this work 
clearly in terms of PGMs being a home, using of hydrogen, demonstrating in South Africa that we're at the forefront of mining research is what we should be about. The whole truck use case is compelling with an economic, environmental and technical perspective. Using solar energy to produce the hydrogen, in other words, green hydrogen, it will also allow us to easily expand the use of hydrogen into other parts of our operations once established. And it also provides us a pathway towards carbon neutrality and people will be aware of our 2030 30% reduction targets and our 2040 carbon neutrality target. Embracing these opportunities in South Africa is critical for the industry in South Africa to continue to thrive and create job opportunities for all South Africans. And to the second point, South Africa's mining industry will have a prosperous future by being inclusive. It must be inclusive. In Anglo-Americans' case, we've made great strides in ensuring that our company reflects the makeup of South African society with all its rich diversity. But we are not oblivious to the challenges that is in front of us, particularly as it relates to gender diversity. We are far from perfect and we have a lot to do. The reality is that no industry can survive, let alone thrive, if it only uses the talents of a portion of the population. It is hard to imagine that there was a time when women were explicitly prohibited from working in the mining industry by law. And from what I understand from Bernard, also from the Bry, We have come a long way since then, but we are nowhere near to where we need to be. Currently, women make up only 12% of the mining industry in South Africa. In Anglo-Americans' case, we've been able to achieve 22% representation of women in all roles. The proportion of women at senior management levels across the company has increased from 15% in 2016 to 24% in 2019. Our target is to exceed 25% by the end of 2020, and we aim to reach 33% by 2023. And in fact, as of today, with appointments made last week, we're now up to 27%. What has become clear to me and many colleagues is that the issue does not end with the lack of adequate representation. There are systemic issues at play that, that discourage many of our female colleagues from entering or staying in the mining industry such as the prevailing gender biases that exist. And for those that have seen Tando's recent uh, presentations on uh, uh, women in technical roles in mining, you'll understand the challenges, but you'll also be thrilled with people standing up and making a point and taking, taking a leadership role in those conversations. Various initiatives are in process to address these outdated perspectives and these initiatives are spurring all of us to look in the mirror and commit ourselves to change. And as I said, the initiatives are driving us, but more importantly, the women that are in our company and are in our industry are taking the lead and making us look at ourselves and helping us understand how we can change the industry to support women in our industry. Our initiatives also include our Living With Dignity program, where we're taking a stand against gender-based violence, both inside and outside our operations. Through this program, we'll work collaboratively with our partners in government and civil to roll out interventions to eliminate sexual and gender-based violence. We're under no illusions. The journey is going to be long and difficult, 
but it can be done and it starts with us. And these issues we have noted have increased through the pandemic. And so this has become a big part of our COVID program. And that is how we help families and people get through the mental anguish and stresses of the current situation. At Anglo-American, we're stepping up our efforts to walk the talk when it comes to gender equality. The new and evolving technologies that we are adopting are also enabling a greater participation by women in mining roles that were traditionally dominated by men. For example, old school exploration drilling typically involves a lot of manual labour, but through new technology and automation, there is no need for this focus on the manual side of the work. We've been able to automate the handling of drill rods with drills themselves operated in an air-conditioned cabin making the job a lot safer and certainly better for health and more efficient. One of our exploration drilling teams at Kumba is made up solely of women, making this the first ever all-women drilling team on the African continent. In the words of one of my colleagues at Kumba, Mabusha Naya Selina, a young exploration geologist who is part of the all-women drilling team, Women are just as capable of taking space in the mining industry and leaving their mark, but they need to be supported fairly and adequately. And when we think about that statement and we think about how we have tailored our businesses to look after or support men, the adjustments for women are not so dramatic, but they are desperately needed and are certainly something that we're looking very hard at in the way we set up our operations. Our third theme talks to a renewed focus on building equitable relationships with our communities. It's non-negotiable and it's absolutely critical if we're going to thrive in the future. I can talk to many negative examples across our business in terms of things we've done or things we haven't done in our community relationships. It's a works in progress. I am also acutely aware of the deep and lasting effects of our history as an industry. I would go even go as far as arguing that one of the very few industries that has had to reckon with the legacies of our past in a real and progressive way is the mining industry. And I believe we're working hard on that fact, but we still have a long way to go. While our progress is encouraging, we are still nowhere where we need to be. It has become commonplace for us as an industry to wake up to news about mining operation that has been blockaded by a community, often over legitimate concerns, such as jobs, procurement opportunities, or the disruption that our operations sometimes bring to those host communities. But there's a new paradigm of community engagement that is unfolding in front of our eyes. Our host communities frequently tell us that they want to be heard, that they want to determine their destinies. At Anglo-American, we approach our relationships with our communities by asking a simple but important question. How might we help our communities achieve their aspirations? So gone are the days of a paternalistic approach in managing operations, managing relationships. We don't manage relationships. We should be connecting with and understanding and being part of a relationship. This is a crucial shift in mindset. It is one that places the aspirations and agency of the communities at the heart of everything we do. And we're guided by them. They must lead the process. 
Several years ago, we as leaders in the mining industry initiated a groundbreaking dialogue with the Vatican under the leadership of His Eminence Cardinal Peter Turkson. What we wanted to do was to listen to Cardinal Turkson's view and what we were missing in our relationships with communities, NGOs and society at large, and as, as mining companies, what were we missing? He used two words, and he talked about the way we occur to people, and he talked about meaningful existence, taking the time to understand what meaningful existence means to all of our stakeholders is the starting point for the right conversation and the starting point for understanding where we can go together. I remember saying to Cardinal Turkson that the Catholic Church, along with another a number of other religious formations is heavily involved with several NGOs that are engaged with the mining industry. And the reality is that they do not always get their engagement with those communities right. I know some people wonder why we turn to faith leaders to help as an industry. The reasoning is pretty simple because they are literally in every community around the world, churches and other religious institutions. And so they are part of the communities in which we operate. It's not about religion. It's actually about respecting beliefs. And being part of those communities means that we have to understand and take the time to be part of those conversations. Earlier this year, we launched the refreshed version of our framework for effective community engagement. We call it the social way. We were the first mining company to develop and adopt this kind of thinking 17 years ago. And since then, it has helped us gain a reputation as a leader in social performance in our industry. Through the social way, we can ensure effective engagement with host communities. We hope we can avoid or minimise adverse social impacts by understanding what really matters to them. Over a month ago, we announced that Alchemy, our multi-billion rand broad-based community ownership trust for the PGM business, would transfer two billion rand to host and labour sending communities. This covers our host communities northwest and Limpopo, and even stretches to our labour sending communities such as the Eastern Cape and neighbouring countries such as Lesotho and Mozambique. Through Alchemy, it's about connecting with those people that have supported us over many years. And what's most important or most powerful about this is that communities through their elected trustees are in charge of determining how these funds are spent. For us, it's about navigating these increasingly complex dynamics to make sure we create an inclusive future for all. For us, South Africa shows great promise. In some ways, this pandemic has given us the opportunity to, pre to press the great reset button. And I think Bernard should have a big red button on his desk. He should press after every speech. We can play a leading role in shaping the next 10 years by building a modern mining industry that embraces innovation and sustainability while making the industry more inclusive and developing equitable relationships with all of our host communities. Amid the despair, there is hope. With each passing decade, South Africa's mining industry is changing for the better. Let us continue on this path of change and progression. Let us all help South Africa build back better.